Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the Around the 412 Fantasy Football Show, always brought to you by Cheats Barbershop, located in East Rochester, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Smitty. With me, as always, my co-host, Drew. Joe, what's going on, fellas? Hello, brother. It's desperation time already. It's not feeling great. If you drafted running backs early like I did this year, shit sucks, bro. I hate myself. I could have had Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase. What I do, I took Najee Harris and Joe Mixon. Like, come on, get out of here with this nonsense. I hate my life. Yep. The zero RB drafters. How do you think they're feeling? They're all over Twitter just ripping everybody, and it's annoying as hell. Although, if you took, like, Kyle Pitts early as a zero RB drafter, you're probably not feeling that great either. Imagine if you took RBs and Kyle Pitts. (laughs) And you... And you lost to Tyler Hernley by less than a point this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great time. And let's just segue this into our first thing, talking about injuries. And you drafted Trey Lance late, thinking that he had the rushing upside to be kind of like this year's Jalen Hurts. Are we just talking about me all day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and me, and me. I, I literally, so I'm in four leagues. I have combined one win through two weeks. See, You're welcome. I'm not even that bad. Like, I drafted a lot of running backs, and Kyle Pitts is my number one of the year, and I'm still like sitting pretty just because Carson Wentz and my quarterbacks have been carrying me. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Trey Lance's injury was brutal, gruesome, lack of a better word, sad. And he um, tried to stand up, and yeah. then had to, like went back down. Yeah, it's <sighs> Dak Prescott 2.0 broke his ankle. Um, honestly, I'm kind of worried about him in terms of dynasty as well, just because this is going to be three years in a row where he's not playing. He lost his last season in at North Dakota state where COVID year mm-hmm. last year, he sat behind Jimmy G the entire season. And then this year he gets hurt five quarters into a season. Like it's a concern. Um, he's played 11 football games. Well, yeah. he played some last year, obviously sitting behind Jimmy G, but like started right and fully played 11 football games in college too so yeah he hasn't played a lot of football and there's something that came out today it was like he started two games per year for like the last like three years like there's something absurd like yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's it's tough and uh honestly this completely changes your entire outlook for the san francisco 49ers offense which obviously we know it's going to be a lot more rushing ability for uh jeff wilson which is obviously really good. Um, Tyrion Davis-Price has a high ankle sprain to add on to that, so he's going to miss probably four to five weeks. So it's Jeff Wilson, and they just signed Marlon Mack today, which is obviously with Jeff Wilson. He's played like 10 games since 2020 himself. He could step in, or uh, Jordan Mason, obviously. The guy Jordan Mason's the other back that I thought about, yeah. Yeah, so you got to keep all these guys on high alert because the way the 49ers as – their luck goes. They just there's a new injury every week with them, and it just sucks. Uh, Ricky Donks, one of always the first guys in here, actually had a question. We can keep going with the injury stuff, but we try to get to these as soon as we get them in here. Um, he does how's it going? Curtis Samuel worked his way into my weekly lineup. You're welcome for that. Uh, trying to put in a waiver claim for Jacoby Myers, somebody we talked about actually right before we started recording this. I have Javante Swift, Brees, Akers, and Eckler in that league. Man, Reading Aker's like, name in that was kind of like that meme where it's like the clown with all the military guys. 
<laughs> yeah, he he did get some work last week though. I was yeah, surprised. Yeah, yeah. He they, bounced uh, it out. They, yeah, they bounced it out, which was tough because like looking at the week one stats for Henderson, it was like, all right, Henderson seems like the bell cow guy, and then week two happens, and it's like, all right, like. It's surprising we thought that it was going to be more of a bell cow situation going into the year, that Henderson was actually going to be the lesser of the two, uh, but it seems like it's going to be a lot more of a committee than maybe we were initially expecting. Mm. Um, I don't know. Is there a question here? It just seems like he's flexing on us right now yeah. a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, so then right after he said going to be trading one of those for wide receiver eventually, I think because we were talking about um, just like the the – running backs like taking them early or like how many you have oh, your gotcha. yeah gotcha but it yeah, was interesting flexing. too that he said jacoby myers we were literally just talking about him right, right before we started recording he's only owned and i don't know what the espn was you might have said that but only 36 percent of yahoo leagues so right yeah jacoby myers somebody i'm really high on um not to derail the injury conversation but he had 13 targets last week against the uh the steelers he has had a hard time finding the end zone uh the last couple of years um but he has a really good matchup the baltimore ravens secondary is absolutely pitiful right now um so mac jones is looking at having a really good matchup especially if you're in a two qb league um even though he hasn't done anything really of note um but i really like myers this week um i don't really get into the dfs stuff uh because the 11 leagues already stressed me out enough um but myers somebody would be a must-have um if i was going to do some dfs plays i think he's gonna have a monster week I was so thrown off when I saw like the little logo by this comment. It's because it came from somebody on Twitch, which like we've streamed the show on there the, the like since we started doing it uh, for season two of this. But like I don't know that we've ever gotten a comment from it, and it just completely threw me off to see that little logo there. But that's awesome. We also yeah. have more viewers, it seems like this week than typically at least to start. Um, so would you rather would you trade Brady and Judy for Pittman or Debo? If so you- who would you rather have Pittman or Debo out of that deal? Um, my philosophy in a two for one deal is that you always want the best player that's out of all of those. Um, Brady is looking washed. I don't know if it's that diet finally caught up to him, the the looming divorce that's sitting on him, but the dude looks like a skeleton. He looks like father time's finally (laughs) caught up with him. I have Brady in a couple of leagues and I'm honestly contemplating dropping him. So if you can turn around and get Pittman or Debo out of that, I'm all on board. I think what we saw from week one, um, that Michael Pittman is going to get the ball a lot from Matt Ryan being the quarterback. Um, He was completely dominant in the target share, and they honestly don't really have anywhere else to go with the ball in Indianapolis. Debo's Exactly. uh, Debo is going to take more of the work in the running game because of the injuries. We saw that last week. Um, Brandon Ayuk, we talked about it on the show, like who was going to be the biggest beneficiary of um, of the injury. And uh, it turns out that Brandon Ayuk led the team in targets last week. They still have George Kittle coming back. So to me, if it's choosing between Pittman or Debo rest of the season, I'm going to be taking Pittman here. Yeah, I had – so it sucked that Pittman didn't play last week because I had just put him in that – I'm not going to say what we're calling it. We still haven't figured out exactly what we want, what we want to title the uh, the player that we're going to be – pounding the table for we're not rolling with the name that drew wanted to but Pittman jr that? was my guy i'm not saying it Pittman jr was my guy that like i just love the matt ryan to him connection even though matt ryan is so washed and honestly that might be like the worst team in football through two weeks is the indianapolis colts but um just in terms of Pittman jr like he's still gonna get his on a week-to-week basis and there's not many like true alpha number one receivers like that that have so much separation between the one and two in an offense 
Kim, like Michael Pittman Jr. is the guy in Indianapolis, and there's no doubt about it, regardless of who else is there. Um, I know that we were kind of high on uh, Paris Campbell this last week, just like a, a DFS play. Um, that didn't work out, obviously. Don't know if he was even on the field. Uh, he was part of the all cardio team. So, yeah, uh, I think he had two targets. It was pretty ugly. Um, yeah. But I, I see people talking about dropping Matt Ryan as well. I mean, yeah, see ya. But, um, they also mentioned who do you think would be the best quarterback to pick up, assuming that they are dropping Matt Ryan. I mean, if like if Carson Wentz is still out there, sure. Uh, I don't know that Tua still would be at this point, but if he were out there, obviously. I will say going into this week, uh, Tua has a horrible matchup against Buffalo. Buffalo looks like an okay. entire buzzsaw in real life and in fantasy football, so it's like, if you have two available, obviously you want to pick them up. Um, Mike McDaniels is completely throwing everybody through a loop of what we thought this offense was going to be capable of. I'll totally crow on that. Um, I don't think that Tua is going to throw for 400 yards, six touchdown passes every week. But if you think about what they said going into the season, it was like, all right, we are really focused on running the ball 30 times a game. And then it was like, okay, well, that doesn't sound good. Um, on the one hand, their pace of play is last in the league. Uh, right now, but on the flip side, um, this is a good thing for Tua as well as Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Um, so in both games, he's had over 30 attempts and 250 yards, which is going to be that threshold that you need to support both of those as a um, top mm-hmm. 24 wide receiver. Um, so they're both pretty high on that list because of that outlier game last week. I don't think that they're going to have that level of um, output every single week but um, yeah they all they do have that capability to make that happen so um, Carson Wentz has been slanging ball around a lot as well so I think either one of them are going to be great pickups for you if you can get them um, other than that though somebody that we talked about before the show is actually Jared Goff 256 yards, four touchdowns last week against Washington he's a little bit more dependent on the matchup um, because Detroit's running the ball exceptionally well. They're leading by over a yard for running back uh, yards before contact. So they're averaging almost four yards a carry before contact. Like their offensive line is absolutely insane. It's very reminiscent of the years that he did well for the Rams, honestly. Um, And having an alpha like Amon Ross St. Brown, um, they have a lot of different targets that they're using week in, week out. Um, if you can't snag any of those first two guys, um, then in a matchup particular situation, I don't think that Jared Goff is a bad pickup either. Yeah, where Jared Goff came in, I mean, he was definitely, uh, so if you guys didn't notice as well, we uh, updated the ticker to include more players. I mean, kind of everybody does a top 10 that does a fantasy show. Obviously, we want to get l- a little bit more expansive on that and give you some more options farther down. Because if you have a top 10 guy, you really don't have a decision to make each week. Um, but I, I believe Goff probably came in here. If he didn't, he was just outside. No, he did. Tied for 13 uh, with Brady this week. Who does Detroit play? Uh, Detroit has Minnesota this week. Minnesota. Oh, yeah, they yeah. put up a great performance against Philly on Monday Night Football. So, Oh, yeah, Captain Kirk, <laughs> champion of uh, the primetime games. It's pretty intense. Do we, so between Wentz or Tua, if Derek has the choice between those two to pick up, which one would you guys be leaning towards out of those two? Tua, since I haven't talked like at all this entire show, I forgot that I was on it for a second. Um, <laughs> you're, just, you're just a spectator. <laughs> yeah. uh, you saw what Tua did last week. Do you even have to say more? Essentially what's happening is Waddle's going underneath, Hill's going deep, and they're making the safeties choose which guy they want to cover, and whichever one they choose, they're going to the opposite side. So that's just how it's been. 
it's going to continue to happen. I know you're worried about this matchup with the Bills, but I'm not. I have him in several DFS lineups already because I just think that they have to throw it a ton to keep up with him. So I could see Tua throwing it 50 times this week and put up a really good score. You're, you're not expecting him to score 60 every week, but he has a real shot at 25 to 30 points, in my opinion. Well, the other thing is, too, like, yeah, I think Tua would be the better option for season long, but he could play Matt Stafford this week, you know, and then go to two if he's really worried about that Buffalo matchup. Yeah, Matt Stafford uh, is playing Arizona. Their defense is terrible. Um, I think regardless of if you were to pick up Tua, I would be starting Stafford either way. Um, They're being given up the fourth most points to quarterbacks through the first two weeks, um, and that includes a game against Marcus Mariota, so that should establish some confidence there. Um, So 28.9 points. Um, Wentz has like a middling matchup. Philly's only given 18.4 points per game, Um, and then Buffalo's only giving 12.1 points per game to quarterbacks. So um, I'm happy for those guys. Um, It looks like Wentz is having a little bit of a return to form. Tua may finally be being the player that everybody thought that he could be when he was getting drafted. Um, But I think for this week in particular, I would still lean Stafford over either one of those two. Um, Also, I like this comment. We should rename the all cardio team, the all George Pickens team. 97% of snaps he played. I I don't like it. I don't like it, but it's creative. (laughs) He had a catch though, so we can't make a meme out of it. I missed the catch. Like the only catch that he had in the game. I clapped. Did you have yeah, to it's hard to see because of all the sun. Uh, I just assumed like ha- you know it was right before halftime. I thought that they were going like run out the clock like the Steelers typically do, not try to actually do anything before the half. So I got an early start to go. Yeah, get a lot. Um, before we move on, yes, I didn't get a chance to chime in earlier, but if you if you're without Michael Pittman this week and you need to go with a Colts wide receiver i picked him up right before my matchup last week and started him but ashton dolan he was getting a lot of targets he ended up with uh five receptions on seven targets for 79 yards obviously matt ryan was terrible the whole offense was terrible but if you have one bright spot out of this out of this game ashton dolan stepped up and he could be someone that's probably owned in less than one percent of leagues that you can just throw as a hail mary okay yeah don't even know who that is so he was the best player on Colts' offense yesterday or Sunday. Like like you said, you even alluded to it. When you're in the stadium watching game, you miss pretty much everything else that's going on with those other games in that same slate. So yeah. the only thing I knew is I won money because of the Jaguars winning. That was literally the only thing I knew about those one o'clock games. I had a five lane really with the Jags, Cardinals, Saints are the ones that killed me. It was plus fifteen thousand. Yeah, I had Dolphins over Ravens. Wow. Wow. Um, all right, let's get back on track here with some injury talk. Obviously, Thursday Night Football last week, Justin Herbert visibly in a ton of pain, um, gutting it out. It was pretty like hard to watch at one point. Like The one where he didn't take off when he just had like a couple – he could have just taken like two steps and had a first down, and then he just throws a rope the very next play. Yeah. But um, obviously, gonna get a, he has a little bit more rest before their next game, but is this going to impact him going forward? And if so, it obviously has a huge impact on his playmakers as well. Yeah, so – he has a rib cartilage injury, which is the most ironic thing that could ever happen in football. So this is the same injury that Tyrod Taylor had that led to him having his first start. And that doctor that Tyrod Taylor is suing is still the lead doctor of the Chargers. So he's going to be sitting here and he's going to have the decision if he wants to get that pain injection or he just wants to live through it and just 
either way, if he's going to go on the field and not have that injection, he's going to be in a lot of pain. He's not going to have the adrenaline flowing the way he did on Thursday night football. And it's going to bother him for sure. If he takes any hits, there's nothing really you could do besides having a flak jacket and hope that that's enough. But if he doesn't get that injection, I'm worried about it. Man, yeah, we didn't gonna uh, suck to be that yeah. doctor, right? Yeah, like he's right. got like you know everybody's right. gonna be looking at him. Like they kind of wanted it to happen to Tyrod, probably. They're like, oh, like how can we make this happen? Not that he probably did it maliciously, but it's like, oh, okay, like we got Justin Herbert. Like if, if they knock punctured, him out now, if he oh, punctures man. Justin Herbert's lung the way he did Tyrod Taylor, he's gonna get blacklisted. He's never gonna be a doctor for anyone ever again. All <laughs> and like, I mean Tyrod just won his case right there. Yeah. All dozen of the uh, the Chargers. He should win it either way, honestly. But so I dropped him in my rankings a little bit. I don't know where either of you had him. I think he was my number six. Um, but if you just go based off uh, like matchup, he should probably have been one or two. But I am a little concerned with how he's going to to handle that and the pain management that's going to come with that. Um, also, I don't know that it's necessarily a foregone conclusion that Keenan Allen returns for them. Right. So. I mean, Mike Williams obviously balled out. They have some other pieces. Gerald Everett's been a nice surprise at tight end. Uh, if I would have known that he used to be wearing that dark face mask and wearing the number seven, I would have had him in my top tight ends to start the season. Yeah, <laughs> I would have drafted him over Pitts probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I mean, for me, I, I dropped him a little bit in my rankings due to that. He still obviously came in in our top ten collectively. But I, I think that is something to monitor. And I, I yeah. think, like, it, with Cody saying, is do you consider starting Joe Burrow over him if you have both those guys? No. No. They have a very similar matchup. Um, no. I don't think that I have the confidence in Burrow right now. He's been able to support the receivers pretty well just because of the volume, but Burrow is very much a guy that may have like a splash week here or there, but if he's gonna like he's probably gonna be at the low end of like uh like the QBs, uh like to be a QB one. Um they don't throw the ball enough in Cincinnati uh, for him to have just like the volume of yards. It's really reliant on big plays from the receivers. Um, and additionally, they are also one of the slowest game scripted teams. Zach Taylor doesn't like to really play with tempo. Um, so it just limits the number of plays that offense has. Um, also, Cody said he won six and out this past week. So yeah, I saw that earlier. I wasn't going to acknowledge that, but thanks. I got you. That's Maybe he boy. should be on the show. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah, what happened to bro. wait, 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 wait. Speaking of speaking of Cody Coleman and shows, what happened to the spread? You guys remember that show he was doing last year before kickoffs? What happened to that? I loved it. I was enjoying that. It. Yeah. What in the world happened there? Uh I traded Diggs and D Hop for Eckler and Debo. Who won? When you lost a bunch Diggs, of question very marks. Very difficult to say that you won with how he's oh, playing. Oh man. That's tough. You almost lose by default for using emoji question marks. <laughs> <laughs> and then some exclamation points and then more emoji question marks. <laughs> I mean, I feel I think, like I might go ahead, Drew. I'm sorry. I think that Diggs ex- obviously blew up mainly because uh, Gabe Davis being out. I just think that they don't have any other pass catchers out there that they give a crap about. So all those targets went to him. He's still obviously really good. and He's going to be a top 10 wide receiver, but last night's game wasn't really realistic of what he's actually going to be when Gabe Davis is on the field. It's just facts. I, it's just, I don't know, man. Gabe not. Davis got four targets in week one, but turned into a broken play. Well, actually it's a really incredibly designed play. I just have never seen those in the last like three years. So like, I forget, but, um, how many targets did Gabe Davis have last night? 
Let me see. I think he had 13. I just feel like he's in the, like, the... He had 14 last night, and he had nine the week one. But he's in... I feel like he's, like, the 9 to 11 range with Davis there, but he's also not scoring three touchdowns. Or did he have... He had three touchdowns, right? Not four. He had three touchdowns. He single-handedly recovered Trey Lance and, like, my entire team disappearing last night. It was magical. Yeah, They combined Allen and uh, Diggs for 85 points. Yeah. He's going to have games like that, but it's not going to be consistent. Um, But the thing is, though, like, he's he's so good, and Eckler has been so bad, and Sony Michelle's been on the field way too many times. So I'm like, well, I mean, the big thing with Eckler is he scored 20 touchdowns last year and that really buoyed him. His usage hasn't really changed all that much, but the offense hasn't really flowed through him, especially in the red zone. You're not really seeing the attention that he got. I think he's a pretty big bust. However, it's like, what do you guys, I think really the, the wild card here is what happens when DeAndre Hopkins comes back? Like, does he have any ability to return even 80% of what DeAndre Hopkins was before? Because he kind of seemed like he was washed last year. So, like, do you think that he comes in and is the alpha over Marquise Brown? I don't know if that happens. He's not the alpha over Greg Dortch. Respect Greg <laughs> Dortch. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel great about either side in this deal, so I would say it's pretty even. Um, I think that Eckler will have a little bit more of a return to form. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to give the slight edge to the Eckler-Debo side, but I think yeah. Diggs is the best player in the trade. Um so it kind of goes against everything I said like five minutes ago. I actually missed the Debo part because of all the question marks. So this is why, Joe, you're doing it right though. This is you're finally getting the whole podcasting thing. You say one thing and then you contradict yourself later in yeah, the show. Yeah. Whichever one's right, that's the part that you clip. Well, generally, whenever you're making a two for one <laughs> trade, you're giving two like mid players to try to get somebody that's better or like a good player and then like somebody that's just a throw in. Like right. to get two it's two weeks into the season. I'm still into the you don't need to panic just yet. I mean, look at the bounce back that Cam Akers had last week. Is he going to live up to his fourth round ADP? No, but he didn't also get goose egged either. Um, so I think the teams are still trying to figure out what works for them. Um, you'll see a, a lot of things kind of shifting around, and it really takes four or five weeks to really figure things out. So if you can even get through this early phase, uh, like around 500, then I think you're in good shape. Because really, if you're seven and six, you'll probably end up as a playoff team in fantasy. And it doesn't it doesn't matter. There's no home field advantage. It doesn't like seeding is meaningless. So as long as you're coming in hot going into the playoffs, it doesn't matter. But to get a first and a second round pick for a, a back end first round pick two weeks in to me, that seems like a little bit of an overpay in that regard. We got a uh, comment from Jared that had nothing to do with Clyde Edwards, a So I'm just happy about that. First and foremost, um, I didn't know that anything happened with Jerry Judy. So, yeah. so he, he left like in the, the first quarter. Yeah. I think he has a Bruce sternum and I think that he's going to be fine. Say so he's not on our injury list here, Drew. Because so I think he's going to be fine. You're setting me up for failure. I'm pretty sure he's going to be fine. I'm pretty sure he practiced <laughs> today. It's okay. all good. But do we trust Russ enough to even put him in your lineup? Because the dude's more worried about playing defense from the sideline than he is about actually scoring points on the field. Yeah, I think he's been helping his wife make a music video or something. I, his, he's not on. He's not with football right now. He's not there. He's he's honest. And their coach stinks. He should be he's one and done. He is a terrible coach. Terrible. <laughs> he's the like Russ is the corniest dude ever. Like he's the type of guy that you think is like a natural leader, but he's actually just faking the whole thing and just looks awkward as hell doing it. Um, it so probably we're actually worked great in Wisconsin. Like, 
Yeah, we're just going to keep ripping Russell Wilson and not actually answer anything about Jerry Judy. I, I still start him this week. I wouldn't start him unless you don't have anything better. I just I don't trust that offense right now. And last week he was Cortland Sutton and nothing else essentially. Obviously, well, Judy, Judy, help, had, Judy left in the first quarter and had three targets, which is a pretty healthy share. But as yeah. soon as that happened, then it was like everything is getting thrown yeah. to Cortland Sutton. Um, but so Jared's pretty much saying because of the Keenan Allen injury, he threw him yeah. in his flex. I didn't have um, – so San Francisco has been dominating wide receivers. Um, they're only giving up 27.4 points per game. Um, that is currently uh, – do the math 29th in the league so i wouldn't feel comfortable starting him this week this offense looks horrible um the 49ers have been pretty great defensively um so if you are still holding on to san francisco because they had a pretty easy start to the schedule um that's only improved even more now because denver's offense looks like crap um so i would would not be playing any players outside of javante and Cortland sutton um and even then if i had better options i would consider sitting those guys as well I don't think Keenan Allen's going to play again. He, it's obviously a hamstring. It's day to day. You just got to watch his participation in practice. But like, it was a pretty significant hamstring injury, from what I read. Um, yeah, I'd we rather, did put him at wide receiver twenty-seven on the Fritter ticker if he is able to get out there. I didn't rank him. Yeah, I would I say you probably did. Yeah. I don't think he's going to play. But I okay. Yeah. Uh, also, Cody Coleman was trying to plug some stuff here. Um, I, I mean, you know, we we like these guys, so I guess we could flash it real quick. There you go. Oh wow, I'm running out of free. I'm running out of free money on um, uh, what's the thing that they're doing the the Scott Fishbowl uh satellite tournament on, the fantasy dog or whatever. Underdog. It is. Uh, underdog, right? Yeah. Mm, okay. Um, so I I might have to tune in so I can make the most of that other twenty five dollars that I have left. Um, Drew, anything else? I I know that we have Dalton Schultz and James Conner on here, but I don't know if there's really any clarity in terms of what those injuries are or if they should sideline them at all. We got clarity today on Dalton Schultz. So he has a PCL sprain, which some that's mm. something that Zeke played with essentially all last season. But obviously you saw he wasn't as explosive as a player. So it's probably going to mm. impact him. He could miss time, but he might play through that. I'm still worried about that. I'm, I'm a Noah Brown guy in that offense right now, obviously. So we'll, we'll go with that. Makes but, sense. Uh, One of the best receivers in the league. Yes, from Ohio State. James Connors has an ankle injury. Um, a lot of people are going to rush to the waiver wire for Daryl Williams or you know Benjamin. I'm I'm staying away. Um, they were a 50-50 split once Connor went down. I still think Connor's probably going to play. I think that at the game, uh, if he needed to come back in the game, he probably would have. And the Cardinals offense looks terrible. It's just Kyler Murray basically playing hero ball the entire time. And it's just not sustainable. So it's like playing Madden 04 with Mike Vick. He just like runs around until the defense gets (laughs) tired. And then it's it's honestly impressive to watch like that two point conversion. Yeah. absurd. He ran like 80 yards in that play. It's actually like Madden for Roethlisberger. When I jack his speed up to 99, just because I think it's more fun. (laughs) Dude, I, it's it's hilarious though watching Kyler play football, just because he's so little, and like his just watching his legs move as fast as they do. Cue Eddie commenting on that later on about how Kyler Murray's like you. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some photoshops out there, me on Kyler, Kyler on me. It's. <laughs> 
Uh, I like what I'm hearing. Can we please move on? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's talk about some week two headlines. I like where we're starting off with this as a Kyle Pitts owner. The first one just says, screw Arthur Smith. So True, the floor is yours, baby. Very, I know you're very passionate about this. Arthur Smith said, it's not fantasy football. We are trying to win. What's their record? <laughs> oh, and two. What? What? What's their record under Arthur Smith? Oh, and two. What? What pick did Kyle Pitts go in the draft last year in real football? Four. Four. Like this guy's such a douchebag. I swear. Like, how's he gonna go in front and be like, "Oh, we're not trying to play fantasy football here." Like, he's literally the best player on your team. Drake London's great, but like Kyle Pitts is a freak. Like, throw him the goddamn ball. Like, I don't, I don't even know how you could just say, like, it's a, not fantasy football. Like, look at the dude. Look at him. He's, like, he runs a 4-4, and he's, like, 6-5, like, and he's thick. Like, the dude is just a monster. Like, I just don't get it. Like, And he's also tight in 35 right now. <laughs> he has, There's like, 32 five... teams. <laughs> <laughs> it just pissed me off when he said that. Like, it's just, it's Javante Williams all over again. This, if you want to win football games, play the guys that – are going to help you win football games. Target the guys that are going to help you win football games. Like, imagine what they're going to do as an offense if Drake London and Kyle Pitts are both getting targets. Like, I just don't get it. it just, yeah, but they won't be able to get their quarterback of the future if they throw that's the thing. Both like, are they Are they purposely not throwing the ball because they want to draft Caleb Williams first overall next year? Because, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, So, as <laughs> um, an optimist on the, uh, the Kyle Pitts train still, the biggest concern that I had in week one was that Kyle Pitts, if you think about what he did last year, they pretty much used him as a wide receiver exclusively, and he was a tight end really only by uh, label. Week one, he got 52% of his snaps at wide receiver, and he blocked on 20% of passes, which you think of, like, who, is, who even other than London do they even have? Like, absolutely no one. So it's like to have him blocking on – a fifth of any of your plays is like absolutely absurd. That being said, he still got seven targets, which t- was tied for first on the team with London. Moving to week two, we saw some better underlying numbers. So he was 75% of the time snapped at wide receiver, and he only blocked on 8.5% of passing snaps. Uh, he only got three targets, but uh, that was second on the team. They didn't throw the ball a lot. It was just a weird game scripted thing. So I'm here to say, that if you have invested in Kyle Pitts, yes, be upset about it. Yes, we can be mad about it. But there's still good things to come. I think that they know that they need to get him more involved in the offense, and I think it's only a matter of time that that's going to happen. Um, I still think that he is the focal point of the offense at this point, and he's also getting the most of the uh, the attention from defenses, which has allowed Drake London to flourish a little bit. Um, but he's honestly shown some real flash, and I think they're going to start to respect London a little bit more, which will make uh, which will make Kyle Pitts' life a little bit easier. So don't trade him at a low point buy value low. right now. Buy low if buy you can. Low. I think that, yeah, so buy low. I think a lot of people are frustrated. I uh, but like I do think that he turns his... I submit like I do off. think he turns the season around for sure. So <laughs> He started slow uh, last the, year, too. He did. But yeah, it's just, but he's definitely not living up to where you drafted him at when you kind of had right. him as that third tight end behind. You've seen what Andrews did last week, 26 points. Kelsey is consistently performing. Uh, everybody's like, all right, well, Pitts had a thousand yards last year. Let's make it Wait, happen. Andrews had 26 points last week. Yeah. He, 
Yeah. Was Tyler Huntley playing quarterback? Yes. Got him. <laughs> he actually got hurt and you missed it. No, come on. Lamar had 60 <laughs> points last week. <laughs> the ball yeah, he was a dog. Somewhere. And lost. It was like the best thing ever. Oh, while we're on that quick, though, Rashad Bateman, is he yes. a sell high? Because he's not getting enough targets, and I think his routes are down. They're, they're running a lot of guys out there, Devin DuVernay. and Listen, long... don't even bring that man up. Hold on, hold you on. You sat here and looked at me and said, <laughs> DuVernay is going to outdo right. Mark Andrews this year. No, I didn't. When did I say that? You said that last week. You said, what if Bate is the Bateman and DuVernay show? No, I didn't Mark say you would outdo them. I'm talking about them together. Like, chill. Um, <laughs> chill out. No, seriously. He's he's had two long touchdowns, but if you take those away, those fluky plays, he was essentially nothing. And if that trend sort of continues and he's big play dependent, you might be holding on to a guy that's eventually going to crash and burn on you or you can get a lot of value right now because everybody's seeing what his totals are. Yeah, I guess it depends on like what you can get back for him. He's getting a 21.1% target share in the first two games. He's gotten zero looks in the red zone, which I think is interesting because coming out of college, like he was known to be like pretty precise route runner. So you would think like in those tighter situations that he'd be able to make that happen. Um, but they also have had a lot of big plays with Lamar yeah. this year. They haven't really had a lot of time in the red zone at all, right. it feels like. Um, but he's only participating in 76% of routes. Um and then his target quality isn't all that fantastic either. Um, that being said, his expected fantasy points per game, um, according to playerprofile.com, is currently sitting at 15.3. Um, he's actually averaged 17.4 points per game, so it's not that drastic um, yeah. of a, uh like outlier as it looks. Um, but to your point on the big plays, his ADOT right now is 16.1. The sweet spot usually for receivers, especially like in a PPR format, is going to be um, like around 12. Uh, so I think that he's somebody that I enjoy having the flex because you know that that big play potential is there. Um, but if I can improve my team or if I have other capable options, then yeah, I would explore that opportunity. I don't think that's a bad move at all. I have Bateman actually in Dynasty. So in Dynasty, I'm not doing anything with him. He's saying. Yeah, it's a redraft yeah. consideration. Uh, but speaking of receivers, we can kind of transition that. Uh, rookie wide receiver is obviously another topic that we wanted to talk about. Uh, Drew, or Joe, I'm sorry. Why don't you start this time since you let Drew go first with the pits? Yeah, sure. So um, if we're looking at the fantasy landscape and like where players are at there's a lot of rookie receivers that have actually dominated so far um so if you look at garrett wilson he had a huge week last week um drake london has done quite well for himself and Jahan uh, dotson has had three touchdowns in two games so uh what i was curious to get some input on is like where do y'all think that these players end up do you think that this is a flash in the pan do you think that they can have that sustainable success i think personally for me i think the person that i worry about the most out of those three um is Jahan dotson just because he is on the field quite often i think he's leading the uh the commanders in snap counts um however he's only getting six targets a game and he's been consistently like the third or fourth target getter on that team um so if he is not going to be getting the touches um that wilson and london have had um, i don't know how sustainable that's going to be um and then you also have 
uh, Burks that's kind of come on, um, and then we still haven't seen anything from Williams because of the injury. So, um, what about uh, Chris Olave? Yeah, that, Chris Olave. Yeah, he had a great game too. He was kind of invisible week one. It was like, all right, like, is he going to be behind Landry and Thomas? Uh, but he actually paced the team in targets. Uh, he seemed like he was open pretty much every play on Sunday, and mm-hmm. Jameis was feeding the ball a lot. Um, I think the biggest thing, at least from the New Orleans perspective, is what is that rib injury going to do for Jameis? It sounds like he's playing with like four, or maybe it's his back. He's like four. He has five or four broken vertebrae in his back. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. So, like, I can't imagine that feels good. Um, so, what is that pain everywhere? Passing? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because, well, like you, I would say that like Jahan Dotson is the guy to me that's going to drop off if there's one of them out of that group. Um, it's crazy because, like, from a real life perspective, I didn't love this draft class. I didn't think that there were many, there was like any true number one receivers that were going to come out of it. I liked a lot of them as like complementary pieces, as number twos, number threes. But to see the amount of guys from this draft class already kind of dominating targets the way that they are, um, I, I'm surprised by that. Obviously, like in Atlanta, Drake London not really competing with anybody, not named Kyle Pitts. And even where, you know, we just had a whole topic on Kyle Pitts. Um, yeah, so I'm a little bit surprised by the the number of targets that we're seeing so far from these these rookie wide receivers and these offenses. Yeah, I mean, Curtis Samuel has struggled with injuries the last few yeah. years, so mm-hmm. I think that that's going to heavily impact if Jahan Dotson holds up or not. But like you said, he's he's playing 99 percent of the snaps and he's on the field the most out of all those wide receivers. So if if the opportunity is there and he's on the field, he's going to get his targets. But they do have four heads that they got to feed in Washington. Logan Thomas came on really well in week two. So that remains to be seen if they can stay healthy. And if Wentz could even keep the track that he's been going on, because you know how Carson Wentz is. Um, Drake London's going to continue to explode. I I think Garrett Wilson really showed up on Sunday and showed that they need to give him the ball more. But the concern is how is that going to change when Zach Wilson comes back? Because like he has Zach Wilson should not come back on the field. If it was like, Who's performing better and what we've seen? Flacco should they should ride that out as long as they can. Flacco is third in the league in passing right now. Like but there's no way you only behind Wentz and Tua. Yeah. There's right. no way you like, can come on. justify that though. Because he's your he's supposed to be your future. How do you go to Unibrow? No, yeah. So like And that's the problem. Yeah. It I still think that they're gonna make him a focal point in the offense and they're gonna tell Wilson to throw it to him, but whether or not he's gonna do it successfully remains to be seen. I'm really high on Traylon Burks. I was high on Traylon Burks when I came into the season. You guys know that. Um, mainly because I felt like the opportunity was there more so than anyone else. But he's only run 30 routes all season, and he still leads the team in targets and receptions. So he's a guy right now that I'm trying to acquire as much as possible because I think it's only a matter of time till he starts to get more snaps, and those targets and receptions are going to turn into like 9 to 10 targets a game rather than like the five to six that he's getting. And he has a real opportunity and their defense looks terrible. Like their team as a whole looks terrible. Derek Henry looks terrible. They're going to be down a lot and they're going to have to throw. So I, I like Traylon Burks. He's available in over 50% of leagues. So I think he's a guy that he's going to clear waivers tonight, I think, because he's only run 30 routes all year, but like, he's a guy I'm trying to get tomorrow morning as soon as I wake up. Yeah, 30 routes, 11 targets. He's had seven catches for 102 yards. So it's really a matter of, and we talked about this at the beginning of the season when we were talking about drafts. Um, Their offensive line is completely different than it's been in the years past. Their bottom five in the year. 
and Taylor yeah, because they left tackle one out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's going to be brutal for them. They do have a really good matchup on the ground um, this coming week against Vegas. So there is some hope. The Vegas defense hasn't looked all that great, um, but, but yeah. Like they, they have the capability to score a lot of points, so they could fall behind early. And they haven't shown like in years past where Derrick Henry would still get the ball in negative game scripts. So that's that's a concern. Yeah. Both of those defenses are terrible though, so take the over on that game. Yeah. There you go. Some Platts picks betting advice from Joe Frick. God sucks at betting. <laughs> Um, how about some waiver options? Although Drew, you might have just mentioned one. Would you consider, you know, Traylon Burks then one of a, like your waiver options? Honestly, league? depending on your league, there's not a single guy that I'm targeting that I'm going to waste a waiver position on. But there's a lot of guys that I want to wake up at 4 a.m. and quickly grab. Um, okay. You're no, one of those guys. For real? I'm one of those guys. <laughs> I will go right back to bed. I, I set my alarm and I get up and I grab it and I go back to bed. But Noah Brown, he's still only owned in 0.8% of leagues. That's for ESPN. I think he's like 2% on Yahoo. Mm -hmm. Um, We told you about him last week. He popped off for like 21 points this week. Evan Ingram is only owned in 17% of leagues in ESPN, and he had eight targets last week, seven receptions, and he ran 85% of the routes. Like That's a guy that you need to get on your bench because Trevor Lawrence is starting to step up, and Christian Kirk's going to get more attention. Evan Ingram's going to be a guy. And it was also funny. I read a tweet today where someone said that if Evan Ingram is getting this target share and he's getting 90% of his targets as completions, like he's catching the football and they're, mm. they actually referred to him as a reliable pass catcher, but I thought was hilarious. So hopefully that keeps up. Since when? Since, Since his rookie year, maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the other guy I'm looking at is Tyler Algier. He's only owned in 14% of leagues, but he split right down the middle with Cordell Patterson. They don't want yeah. Cordell Patterson to be the guy. And I think that if you can get ahead of that committee, I think eventually he's going to take on more of the load than Cordell Patterson. I think he's going to be like a 60-40 guy when he starts to develop and get used to playing in an NFL-style offense. It was interesting Cordell to Patterson's see because he what, was like an active. Yeah, he's 32. And Damian he Williams was an active was on IR. one, wasn't he? Damian Williams went on IR though, and it completely that's flipped right. the switch. So that okay. that's why I'm I'm trying to get a, ahead of what I think could happen with Tyler Algier and uh, and Traylon Burks because I just think that in the next few weeks they're going to continue to take another step. Well, I think that's an important thing to think about, right? Like now that we're getting into the season and seeing like how rosters are constructed and like who are players on your bench that you realistically feel that like they will have a use for your team. Like if you have guys that are just putting up like four or five points a game. Um, is it really worth hanging on to him if you never could feel confident playing him? I would say you probably want like one or two of those guys just for injury's sake. Um, but realistically, it's like, all right, if if you're two and zero, then it's like, all right, great. Like you can stash for the future and kind of get ahead of the curve before, especially if you're in like a waivers that's like reverse based off of standings. Yep. And then if you're losing, it's like, well, shit, you better get some wins in because you ain't gonna be having nothing to play for if you keep losing games. So. Right. If anybody plays in fab leagues too, I, I wouldn't wait mm-hmm. till tomorrow. Just throw a couple bucks down each guy. You should have no problems getting them. But in terms of Evan Ingram, I just want to add this too. Cole Komet has been an absolute disappointment. And if he's on your roster, there is no reason why you don't go get Evan Ingram and just drop Cole Komet. Cause they've thrown what 28 times in two games. It's absurd. It's just, it's like, why would you trade up, get Justin Fields and then you, already don't let him throw the ball like is he that nothing bad? to support him they did have bad weather in both games so i'm hoping that 
we can just throw that out in week three and actually start throwing the football. But like it did happen two weeks in a row. So until we see otherwise, how are you supposed to, you know, trust anything with them? Boom. Aaron Jones for Jefferson. If you can get Justin Jefferson for anything. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, yeah, I don't know. If There's no other Jeffersons in the league, right? Like this isn't like for Van Jefferson or something. Like that. Are actually going to pick up Tony Jefferson. Uh, yeah, unless this is like, I don't even know what this would have to be. Negative five points per reception. I would still like take that. Jefferson. <laughs> they were terrible last night, and he still scored 12 fantasy points and was solid. Yeah, right. And if he uh, doesn't run the wrong route, he probably has a touchdown. He's ended up in the 20s, too. Yeah, he was responsible for one of those interceptions, but Kirk was god-awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what other Jefferson that could be. Justin Jefferson, 100%. Um, actually that's where we're at with the show though. Some start set stuff. So any more questions that you guys might have, I guess if it's also trade or, or anything like that, you can throw them in here. Um, I am Owen two in three different leagues and one and one in my other one. So maybe I should be the one asking start sit questions on the show. It's possible. I'm not in a much better space than you are. Um, my bench was amazing last week. I had like tons of points on my bench. It was unbelievable. I had two and a couple benches. I was like, well, this is fun. I, I had two on me. my bench as well. But like, so I would have won had I started him, but I still got 35 or whatever from Carson Wentz. So I was like, okay, uh, yeah, hard to be mad about it. Yeah. I'm two and oh in four leagues. And oh, one this one guy. In three. <laughs> I beat you by one point, even though you thought you won when you went to bed. I did win when I went to bed. Something happened overnight. I'm not pointing any fingers, but you're the commish. So Tua is on waivers in my one league. He's on waivers in a lot, actually. Yeah. Uh... And my only quarterback I have currently on my roster is Kirk Cousins because of Trey Lance's injury. I'd probably go keep both, though. I, I think that Kirk Cousins is going to be really good. No. Yeah. Keep both. But I should drop somebody else to get Tua. Right. Um, yeah. On the like across platforms, too, is on in like 63.6% of leagues. Yeah, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. I just played um, Tyler. He just commented and said what his record was. I just played him, I think, in one of the leagues this week. So you're welcome for that. <laughs> that win, that easy win. I mean, Joe Flacco only owned in 1.6% of leagues, QB10 <laughs> right now. There we go. So uh, somebody that we talked about before the show, and we kind of alluded to it a little bit with the uh, the Cole Komet stuff. Uh, what are y'all doing with Darnell Mooney right now? Holding Great question, because I also have him uh, on my – he's kind of in like that that flex consideration, but I'm not considering him right now. But like he – he was the guy I went into thinking he was going to be my flex is what I'm getting at here. I'm now playing Christian Kirk in that spot. I also have like Cordero Patterson on my bench or Brandon Ayuk. So I have some other options, like Darnell Mooney doesn't need to play, but yeah. I'm definitely, you guys know how high I was on Darnell Mooney going into last year, and especially like right. expecting another step from him and Justin Fields this year. So I'm very disappointed with uh, with his start to the season. But to Drew's point about the way the first two weeks have gone weather-wise for Chicago, I'm hoping it's more a product of that than anything else. I actually didn't own Darnell Mooney in any leagues last year, but then I bought into your hype. And now I have him in 50% of my league. So this is actually all your <laughs> fault and screw both of you. 
Um, yeah, we got a two-parter. I'm rocking Jefferson, Devontae, Gabe, Mooney, London, Samuel, Osborne as a JJ handcuff, and Jameson on IR. My RBs uh, are Ram- Ramondre, Walker, Strong. Oh, my God. What is this? Homer, Ryan, Abdullah. Rashad White, would you trade Samuel to fix this position or not because of Gabe being hurt and Mooney sucking? Man, did that hurt okay. you? So, if we go back to the first part, yeah, the running back situation is shit on this team. Let's just get that <laughs> out of the way. It happens, sure. but you have a lot of good things that you can do to load up on this on the flip mm-hmm. of that. Um, Mooney is not going to return a lot of value. Um, I would say that your best two trade pieces are either going to be Gabe Davis or Drake London. Um, Curtis Samuel also would be, but I think everybody kind of is holding the mentality that he's a sell high, um, when in reality he's the leading target getter for Washington, and I would almost rather have him and trade Gabe Davis, who has this perception what of if being that's, in the uh, profile. What opponent. if that's Debo Samuel? That's what I thought it was. There's no way. I mean, I guess it could be, huh? <laughs> If he won his first three picks as receiver, yeah, he yeah. looks like a zero RB. Oh, it's dynasty as well. Oh, okay, that is it is, it Curtis. is Curtis. Okay, you're right. You're right. Okay. Um. Well, shit. Well, dynasty is like a whole different boat. Um. Jeff Curtis Samuel. Try to get a running back. I would trade Davis if it was me, because you all know that I'm not really big on Gabe Davis. He's the wide receiver to. Every he's week, twenty-three years old, and Stefan Diggs is twenty-eight, approaching thirty, or twenty-nine, approaching thirty. In two years, he might be the number one. That's why I love him so much in Dynasty. Sure, I see him um, as number one down the line. Something that you could potentially do too. I think that Osborne is a waste of a roster spot, honestly, even in a Dynasty setting. Um, Adam Thielen's not even doing anything for the Vikings in these first two weeks, and he's on the field every single time. So unless one of those two guys gets hurt, Osborne's not going to be the guy, and I don't he's think he's going to be around. Him. Yeah, but if Drew Drew's wrong about the Drew's wrong about the Diggs thing. Uh, Justin Jefferson is going to be unhappy in Minnesota like Diggs was and get traded to Buffalo. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> my point I being. Just, um, is that I I think that Curtis Samuel actually has some some tread on him, and I like that. I think Devonta Smith is a really interesting dynasty trade piece in um, in Philly, just because they brought in AJ Brown. Devonta has been on the field a lot and kind of holds that value just from being the Heisman Trophy guy, but he's the clear number two on that offense. Um, so, and AJ Brown just signed that deal, so it's like can Jalen Hurts hold both of those two to return like that value that they used to have um maybe but he's also uh i think he holds more value than like gabe davis does but i don't know if it was me i would trade gabe davis uh you could feel otherwise but yeah or you trade someone lesser or if you don't have the confidence that i do in samuel um then obviously yeah he's somebody that somebody probably has the optimism that i do and would buy into it Jared, another one that's not CEH. So J Rod, he's realizing that CEH wasn't funny the first two times. So you let it go. Should I get Jimmy G in waivers? Yes. Um, 
I mean, you can. Obviously, anytime there's a starting QB on waivers in a two QB league, you want that. Right. Um, Especially when Ryan Tannehill's name just got thrown out here. Yes. Um, (laughs) That being said, um, Jimmy G has a pretty tough matchup against Denver. As bad as their offense has been, their defense has been excellent. Um, They're only giving up 14.6 points per game um, to QB so far this season. Um, If we're looking at the other matchups that are available, um, Russell Wilson actually has a worse matchup against San Francisco. um, So not feeling uh, too confident there. Um, Wentz is a must play in my opinion. Philly has been giving up 23.5 points per game. They're like a top 12 option. Uh, Let me see here what the number actually is. Uh, So they're 12th. Um, in points per game. Um, and then actually Tannehill has a pretty good matchup against Vegas. They're giving up 26.5 points per game. Um, and they are currently looking at that eighth spot coming in. So if you don't get Jimmy G, I would be um, having Wilson ride the pine. I have no confidence in him and his corn dog mentality. Um, if you do get Jimmy G, if you feel that um, they can break through that offense um, against Denver, um, it is a home game, then maybe you can. Um, I would ride with Tannehill and Wentz if it was me. I was just thinking about how funny it would be if someone made a video where the Steelers line up with Gunnar Olszewski outside with Najee in the backfield and it's a clear run play, and then they just have Russell Wilson on the sideline just yelling run. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wish I was like able to do anything with a computer to like get that to happen, but I think that would be funny as hell. I don't know why that popped in my head. Uh, start sit Connor David Montgomery. Assuming this is James Connor Tyler, I really appreciate you doing the Pittsburgh thing and spelling his last name wrong. <laughs> I just want to let That's you know sad. that. <laughs> uh, but uh, we you talked have, about the injury. You have the injury to play David bit, Montgomery right? because he's the only thing in Chicago that's right. Yeah. right now. So you have to play him. Where are these guys coming at? He's averaging Houston, over 100 yards a game, I think, right, on the ground. He is, and Houston's yeah. giving up 27.4 points per game uh, to running backs in the first couple of weeks. The Rams are only giving up 13.5. Um, there is some hope there that from a pass-catching perspective that they could do a little bit more um, just because L.A. has been horrendous against the past. Uh, they're giving up 51.2 points per game against wide receivers and 28.9. Um, which is weird because they have that Jalen Ramsey guy that used to be good at football. Um, but it is what it is. So I, regardless if he's playing or not, I would start Montgomery. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Sorry, his next he comment did. threw me off. He did yeah, you spelled that right. right. Yeah, that was good right. to me. <laughs> um, do we want to pull up Drew's DFS? Yeah, let's do that because I have something for my D of the week. Hold on, we actually had one more question. Um, Mooney situation. Um, Nagy sucked, Mooney feasted. Fields look improved this year marginally. Is this purely game plan? I mean, let me pull up the, uh, what's it called? Um, I am holding on for dear life to the weather narrative. I think that that's what it is, honestly. Like, the first game was just they were essentially oh, yeah, playing in the middle of a pond. And then the second one, it was I think it was raining pretty hard that game, right? I was watching that on my phone, to be honest with you. So Yeah, so in 2021, they threw the ball 55.81% of the time. 
going into the first two games of this year, they've thrown the ball 34.02% of the time. So they're really not throwing the ball at all. Receivers were only targeted seven seven times in week two, which is like, even if they threw all of those to Mooney, like it's just not really good recipe for success. I don't think we're in a situation where we can drop them um, just because um, they have to start throwing the ball at some point. Um, and I think that Mooney will be the guy because they don't really have anybody else there, but he's like a last spot on the bench um, for me at this point. So, uh, <sighs> Joe, I, Tell I, him later. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's your favorite defensive play? This week? Who is my favorite defensive play? Um, let me see here. Um, given everything that's going on right now, um, I do really like, um, San Francisco quite a bit against the Broncos. Um, a couple of other teams that probably have a better chance of being on the waiver wire this week. Um, I hate to say it, but the Browns against the Steelers, we all know how great the Steelers offense is on I, short week. I would still worry about though. There's a good chance Javion Clowney and Miles Garrett are both out this week for the Browns. Yeah, will Najee be able to find the hole? Who knows? If you don't feel confident as a Steelers fan and you are looking for other options, um, so um, some other plays that you have: the Giants versus the Cowboys. Even though the Giants, or even though the Cowboys were able to do well against the Bengals last week, um, backup quarterback Zeke hasn't really done a lot on the ground. Um, they don't really have a lot of options outside of uh, C.D. Lamb. Uh, the Giants would be a good pick. Um, and then respect the last Noah one. Noah Brown. Why do we have to keep talking about this? We will not respect <laughs> Noah Brown in this house. Um, and then let's see. Um, you could also go Chiefs versus the Colts if they're available. Chiefs, the Colts look absolutely horrendous. Chad, Chad likes the Jags, uh, depending on what's going on with Justin Herbert. Yeah. If, um, if Herbert's not playing, then for sure. The Jags actually had a great game last week with the shutout. Um, their defense looks well improved, which you'd expect when you take the number one guy um, as mm-hmm. a defensive player. Um, so if Herbert isn't playing, then I would immediately shoot that uh, a lot more upwards. Okay. Um, trade away Tua for CD. I would say it depends on what the other quarterback that you have is, but uh, CD's averaged 11 targets per game. He's at 11 in both games, actually, so do the math. That's 11 per uh, average. Um, he's really the only thing that the offense has. I don't no, think that he's going to be the, like, I don't know if he's a top 10 play this year, but he's definitely, like, a solid wide receiver, too, that has that upside to have those flash games. Um, so I like that trade. You're trading high on Tua. Um and he's had a pretty soft schedule so far. So we'll, I think this week will be a very good test to see what Tua is made of. Um, if they're able to do anything against Buffalo, then it's like, all right, like they're cooking with gas. Like we really need to start taking this team seriously. Um, but if he falls apart again, then it's like, all right, like maybe it was just more of a schedule so far kind of thing. So I would sell high on a quarterback every time. You can always trade a lesser player for another QB that will give decent results later. Yeah, I'm fully on board with this trade. Like even with CeeDee Lamb not living up to expectations, I fe- think we all kind of feel the same way about quarterbacks and getting production from that position when it comes to fantasy. So um, he'll bounce back when Dak comes back. 
It's simple yeah. as that. You can you can have him back in two or three weeks. And uh, this might be the most Drew DFS lineup I've ever seen in my life. I mean, you got Damian Pierce here, you got St. Brown here, you got Traylon Burks, and you got your boy Greg Dorch. So yeah, I love that you make this in Snapchat too. By the way, <laughs> I just talked to you about a video. I have no idea what I'm doing. Snapchat. Oh, I thought maybe I thought this was Pixar. To be honest with you, oh. I didn't know this was Snapchat. Snapchat's <laughs> Snapchat stickers, baby, for the win. All right, let's go through this. Okay, so quarterback position has been very tough for me lately when setting DFS lineups. Their prices are just way too high right now for all the quarterbacks that you want. So when I was looking at quarterback, it was essentially between Carson Wentz at 6,300, Jared Goff 5,800, Kyler Murray at 7,300, and I did consider Jalen Hurts at 7,600 just because he's been so incredible, but I had to see how the rest of my roster would fill out before I went with my quarterback. Can I ask a question? Yeah. How much was Mac Jones? I had him as an option. I did think about him. He is very cheap, but when I got through the rest of my roster, I just felt like Tua at his price point fit better, but I, I did look into that as well. I do think Mac Jones is a sleeper versus the Ravens because they've just been absolutely they've been terrible the Ravens they've like, been the worst team against yeah. receivers and right. um so to like if I was going to DFS this week I would be taking the uh the Jacoby Myers Mac uh yeah. stack yeah I I'll tell you right now there will definitely be a DFS lineup where I do that stack for sure because I I usually cool. do like five a week and you need to vary them um but I I went with Tua in this one. I think that that game's just going to be sneaky high scoring. I just think that the Bills are going to jump up on them just like the Ravens did, and then Tua is going to be forced to throw it. And we saw what happened last week when he was forced to throw it. He had he had like twenty points going into the fourth quarter, and he ended up with nearly sixty. So, also Buffalo's defense has been very good, and not saying that they won't be, but they're going to be right. missing probably a couple pieces from their secondary. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, And I just think it's going to be a battle between Jordan Poyer and determining which wide receiver he wants to, to cover in the middle of the field. And it's hard to cover both of those guys. And it's just two is going to score points. He doesn't have to be pretty. They don't need to win. He just needs to score in, in fantasy for this to matter. And then with Joe Mixon, the team just looks terrible throwing the ball. I just think that they need to settle down. I know they're handing the ball off the Mixon a lot, but I just, I feel like until they get the run game going, they're not going to be able to get the passing game going because edge rushers are just flying up the field and just getting after Burrow. So I, yeah, I like and the, then the, uh, the jets have also been the eighth worst team right. against running backs in the league so far this season. So I, yeah. I like that. And he is averaging 23 carries a game. So it's hard to find any running back in fantasy that you can get 23 carries from on a weekly basis. No, for sure. So I liked him. And then Damian Pierce, he took over the snap and carry count last week, finally. And he didn't score a touchdown, but he had a pretty solid week on the ground. He was averaging almost five yards a carry. If he gets into the end zone this week, which he has a good matchup, I believe, against the the Bears. Bears defense is obviously terrible. I could see him paying off at his $5,000 price point and because I was able to settle with the 5,000 in my RB2, I paid up for Joe Mixon. I felt like that was a good balance. Amonra St. Brown's going for a record, and how can you sit him in any format? He's still underpriced. He's 7,200, but the other receivers are going like eight to 9,000. He's still like 10th in price pricing. So I was like, I'm going to jump all over that opportunity for him to get another 12 targets. 
And I think he had a good matchup as well against the Vikings. That could be a sneaky high-scoring game. So I like the Monroe St. Brown. I went with the Tua Jalen Waddle stack. This is easy. You got to get one stack in there. Tyreek Hill was priced at like 8,500. I saved myself 2,000 by going with Jalen Waddle. Traylon Burks. I essentially had to punt on my third wide receiver just because I paid up on Amara St. Brown and Jalen Waddle. Traylon Burks is leading the team in targets and receptions. We talked about that earlier. So I felt like maybe I can get a week early on him. And if he pops off this week in a high scoring game with the Raiders, that could be a sneaky play. And then this is my guy of the week, Tyler Higby. So Tyler Higby. I like that. 29.1 29.1 points per game allowed by Arizona in the first yeah. two weeks. First week, they were the worst against tight ends. Second week, they were second. And I did look at the fact that they played Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, but Tyler Higby is getting elite target production. He is 11th in the league in targets. It's crazy. And they've also – let me – I was actually looking at this earlier. They hadn't put the stats in just yet, but they are using him in the slot a lot more yeah. last uh, compared to last year. So if you look at from this year to last year um, – in the two games, actually, they might have just been a week one thing, but um, he's in the slot about 16% of the time. Um, it was 26% in week one, um, which was up like 12% from last year. But um, if you're looking at his routes run, he's fourth in the league for tight ends. His route participation, he's yep. number six. Um, and his snap participation, he's number two. He's the most targeted tight end in football right now. Yep. Um, and he's getting 25% of red zone targets. So it seems like he is currently the second guy in that offense. Cooper Cup's obviously going to be that number one. Um, but it seems like he's supplanted and taken over that secondary role. Yep. Um, I know we ranked him pretty high, but that matchup against Arizona, like yep. he should feast. Yeah, best matchup in – in fantasy football for tight ends. And he was the seventh price tight end. I, I don't see how you could put anyone else in that lineup at tight end at his price point. But if you do decide to go with like a Cooper cup, Matthew Stafford stack, the other option I would put out there is Gerald Everett. Cause he was eighth price. And I still think that that's um, a good guy to put in your lineup based on his price point. And then I, I uh, paid up on a lot of guys. So my flex spot, I essentially had like 4,000 left and it just took me all the way down the list. Greg Dortch is the only guy in that range that's getting targets and productive targets. I still worry about him. It's mostly a joke playing him. Don't play him in redraft because he's like fourth in terms of Kyler Murray's targets. But in that range, if you have to find a guy, Greg Dortch is your best option. He's getting targets in the red zone and they're going to score. They're going to have to score a lot because their defense has been absolutely terrible. And then finally, the Buccaneers defense, they were priced at ninth, which I thought was insane. I think that everybody's looking at this matchup against Green Bay as like to be scared of, but I think that their corners outside are going to be able to line up one-on-one with those wide receivers that have been extremely disappointing. And if they just sell out on the run, which they're essentially already a good run defense, I could see Green Bay getting shut out in this game. And I could see the Buccaneers going over the next five weeks. I think they play the Chiefs, but other than that, there's a ton of teams that they're just going to keep shutting out. They're going to shut... They play, the, they play the Steelers in like two <laughs> weeks. Yeah, like do you see them scoring on Tampa Bay? I don't. And like I said, they were the ninth price defense. I thought it was a no-brainer to hit uh, Tampa Bay in my lineup. Their defense is why – I mean, if they if they go on a run this year, I think it's going to be because of their yeah. defense more than their offense. Go yeah, because to be. Tom Brady looks like he just rolled out of bed and like his deathbed. Like the dude looks terrible. He looks like he got a nose job that went wrong and his cheeks got sucked in. So – 
the defense is the only thing that's keeping them in games. That man is rolling up to games in a hearse instead of a car. Real quick, uh, completely yes. different note. Um, so this is another question we got yeah. from Chad I guess here. it relates to fantasy as well, just because, you know, we're talking about a, an R, a running back, an RB1, but I think this is more of like a real-life question. Oh, yeah. Um, I do not have any inside info in my own <laughs> life. Honestly, um, that... So. It makes I sense. It I don't know if it's being talked about, but like, yeah, I, I don't know that it will. If this were any other sport, it's just in the NFL, you don't see trades like this happen. Yeah. But I mean, should they consider it? Sure. Do you want him though as another team? Like he just, he doesn't look like he recovered from his foot injury from last year, which doesn't make sense to me because it's not the type of injury that should linger into your mm-hmm this next year like he just doesn't i was watching the game last night and he didn't look good like i i was thinking about he has a good matchup this week that maybe you could try to get someone to trade for him in fantasy because i don't trust him later on this year it's tough you need to also talk about yeah like after this week after this week yeah i I'm I was dead wrong on this. I, I was thinking about him as potential being an RB one this year, like RB overall one. Like he just does not look the same. Yeah, it's tough too, because we've also talked about the fall from grace for the offensive line yeah. as a whole. So like, you know, how much does that go on him and how much does it go on the offensive line? The the lack of production in the wrong game. Also, when you don't have weapons on the outside and Tannehill's playing the way he has, and people can zero in on him even more than they have in the past. I, yeah, I don't know. It's to answer this I question find though. It unlikely. Yeah, I find it unlikely. But to me, with the Titans being where they're at, looking as bad as they have, I, I I think they should consider it. I just don't know what you would get with his contract being so big. He's coming off the injury. Like yeah. it's not like he's playing well, and like they're trying to get some value from him. It's like no one's gonna want to pick it, pick that up. I think that Tannehill does his job. And not because Malik Willis should take it. It's a matter of they probably look like they're going to pick in the top 10 this year, and they got to see if Malik Willis is their guy or not. There's three quarterbacks at the top of the draft next year that they're going to have to consider. I think that this team's going to completely fall apart. If they haven't already. Also, shout out Tyler Palka for this last comment here. (laughs) It's a name that I haven't heard in a long time. I feel like that's where we need to end the show, a Tyler Palka reference. There's no better way to do it. What more could there be said? Um, all right. That was a good show. A lot of, uh, input from the comments, obviously from Chad and everybody else. Very active chat today. Um, I'm assuming, do you guys have anything else or just Hopefully tell Gabby and Rachel find their love tonight on the season finale of the bachelorette. <laughs> Sure. We had it all figured out with the the Palco stuff, and then you throw this, <laughs> He's still there. You throw this crap at me. Come on, hey, man. Gabby, uh, Gabby was a cheerleader for the Denver Broncos, so it all ties in. All right, big week for Russ coming up. Yeah, yeah huge. But did she yell run or pass before play? <laughs> um, one last thing that I do want to mention, actually, though, is we this show goes out now as a podcast as well. So Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you want to get your podcast, you can find us there. The link tree for all that information is in the bio of our Twitter at AT412FFShow. Also, follow around the 412. Follow the guys' individual uh, Twitters as well. You can get at us on Sunday mornings uh, before. Uh, we'll answer questions throughout the week, all that good stuff. Start, sit, 
waiver wire trades, whatever you guys need. Get at us. And when I say us, I mean Joe, of course. But until next week, we will talk to you guys then. For Smitty, for Joe, for Drew, this has been the Around the 412 Fantasy Football Show. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Thumbs up, baby. Good luck, Luke.